On this edition of MonkCast, we're joined by Father Gabriel Landis. Father Gabriel is the prior at St. Benedict's Abbey. Uh, Father, how long have you been the prior here now? About uh, one year, a little over a year. Very good. So today we want to get to know you a little bit. Let's learn as much as we can about uh, Father Gabriel Landis. So why don't you uh, just start out, you know, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Tell us about your upbringing a little okay. bit. Sure. Grew up in Wichita, Kansas, uh, about two or three hours south of here, of Atchison. And I had uh, one older brother. He's two, two years older than myself. Uh, and I grew up in the, uh, a Baptist household. We were a very good uh, Christian family, very involved in the faith. Uh, mom was very uh, much involved in the choir. She sang, played the piano, played the organ. Uh, my dad uh, taught Sunday school, taught myself Sunday school for a couple of years. Uh, and I grew up uh, to be involved in the, the youth group, uh, the Baptist church I, I grew up in. So uh, at what point did you start to sort of discern that uh, maybe the Baptist faith wasn't for you? Well, wow, that's a good question. Uh, really what happened, I was a very young child, uh, and, you know, about twice a month, we would have communion service, the Lord's Supper. And, of course, uh, as Baptists, we used uh, host, and but also grape juice. And it, it, to give you context, you know, the, the Baptist church I grew up in, was we would take the Bible very, very literal. So when it says in the Bible, the earth is created in seven days, well, that's what we believed. Uh, so... Uh, I remember several times, especially one particular time when we were having the Lord's service, and I was sitting next to my dad, and I probably was only probably eight years old, and uh, the pastor was saying there, you know, this is my body, and then this is my blood. And I remember re- sitting next to my dad, and I, I pulled his sleeve, and I said, I whispered, I said, Dad, is that really Jesus up there? And my dad just kind of leaned over and said, no, that's not really Jesus. And he used the word symbol, and he goes, that's just a symbol. And I kind of looked puzzled at him, and I, then he said, well, we do this because he says to do it, do it in memory of him. But that question, it, it, that memory is so, stands out in my memory so much, and I, I really have come to believe that that was a, a time for the Holy Spirit to really help me start doubting some of the things that I was being taught, because that that doubt remained with me for a long time. Uh, it, it lasted with me throughout uh, my teenage years, uh, and then eventually, uh, when I was in my uh, early 20s, you know, I, I was still exp- having some doubts in my late teens, early 20s, I ended up going to a Lutheran church, a uh, Missouri Synod Lutheran church, because, you know, Lutherans teach uh, that uh, at the communion service that it is the body and blood uh, of Christ. Uh, you know, Lutherans uh, totally believe in a different way than we Catholics believe it, but there was an idea that Jesus is present. So that that intrigued me. And so when I was in my early 20s, became a Missouri Synod uh, Lutheran, and uh, I was a very gung-ho convert. Uh, I really kind of delved into the faith as a Lutheran, um, so much so that uh, several people were encouraging me to become pastor. Uh, and when at that time when they were doing that, uh, I was uh, had finished my degree at Wichita State University in Wichita, and uh, my degree was in finance, uh, and had moved on to work at Boeing Aircraft in Wichita. 
you know, working both in uh, kind of engineering uh, fields and also some finance areas. And so, uh, you know, I, I, when they were saying, all these people at once were saying, hey, you know, you should really just think about becoming a Lutheran pastor. I, I knew that God was speaking to me about how, how to discern serving him in a, in a different way. But that idea thright, uh, just frightened the daylights out of me, and it scared me, to be honest. And I just did not want to do it. I did not want to discern God speaking to me. Uh, I just kind of I went from being a very gung-ho Lutheran to the point where, no, God, what you're asking me to do, I don't want to even think about. And in retrospect, I can see now that God was saying, all right, you know, I'm going to respect your free will. Uh, if you think you can be happy uh, apart from me, go ahead and try. And I, I tried, and I learned that I could not be happy apart from God. Uh, so that time was you know, the mid-20s, or I'm sorry, late-20s or so, uh, and I started, you know, questioning even more about being a Lutheran, because I, then I started having even more questions in my, my time, but time of darkness. Uh, I was wondering, who has the absolute say when it comes to matters of faith? Because I was, you know, I, I would look at what we were taught as Missouri Synod Lutherans, and then kind of puzzled, well, I know there's the Wisconsin Synod, there's the ELCA. Uh, if, if I'm a, a very firm believer in what Luther taught, who has the final answer if they all disagree? And at that time, just by, by God's grace, I was working in the finance department at Boeing, uh, and there was a, a young lady who was a very devout Catholic, and she could really sense my uh, kind of despair at that time. Uh, and of course, then we start, she would share her faith, and I would share my faith as a Lutheran, and that got her to, you know, saying, "Well, why don't you take RCIA?" And she encouraged me to do this probably for over a year or two years. And I, I always liked when I give my vocation talk, I always like to go back to that parable that Jesus gave about the the widow who's very persistent with the uh, very corrupt judge. Uh, you know, the judge did not want to give this one widow the judgment that was due to her, but because she basically nagged the judge uh, into giving the, the, her judgment, he did. So finally, uh, this young lady, I just gave up, said, okay, okay, I'll take RCIA. And I know I was, I was, it was the right time, it was the right time, I was ready. And then she encouraged me, well, you know, that's great. Now, I want you to take it uh, at the Newman Center at Wichita State University, because you got to take it from Father Conley. And I said, okay, okay. I was kind of, I just caved in to everything she asked. Uh, of course, Bishop Conley. Now. now now he's Bishop Conley of the Lincoln Diocese. So that's, that's my one claim to fame, I guess. So and it, so the very first night uh, at, at the Newman Center, he, uh, Father Conley, now Bishop Conley, walks in with the Bible. And as I said, I was a very gung-ho Lutheran at one time, so I knew all about sola scriptura, sola fide, sola gratia. And so Bishop Conley walks in with the Bible and he goes, Tonight, I'm going to show you, using the Bible, why sola scriptura is wrong. And within one hour, he used the Bible. For the uninitiated, what is sola scriptura? Sola scriptura, very good. That... Uh, all doctrine is based solely on Scripture alone. That doctrine and dogma does not have to be a go through the, the Catholic Church. There's not an 
it's not a body outside the Bible that tells you uh, how to interpret Scripture. Sort of a rejection of the magisterium. Absolute rejection of the magisterium. So, uh, so he used a Scripture and to do that within one hour, and uh, and that is a big pillar. If you know, if my personal feeling is that or belief is that you uh, if you can take away that pillar from someone's belief structure, then they they have to become Catholic. It's just apparent. So within that night, I had a, a very good revelation. I, I said, oh, I must become Catholic. And uh, so I did. Um, that was uh, RCIA started in 1995, September of 1995. I entered the Catholic Church on April 6, 1996. Uh, the funny thing about that is that, you know, I was so loved for becoming Catholic uh, that I one day I posted it on a EWTN's website. They had a at that time someplace on their website where you could post comments, and I said, you know, my name is uh, Doug Landis, and I'm a brand new Catholic. I love my Catholic faith. Uh, you know, I live in Wichita, Kansas, and I I left my email address on there. So one day I get this email from a, a monk from this abbey. And I had heard of Benedictine College, but I did not know about St. Benedict's Abbey. And so this, this, this priest, this wonderful priest goes, my name is Father Meinred Miller. Welcome to the Catholic Church. I'm a monk from St. Benedict's Abbey in Atchison, Kansas. And I had one of those moments in life that I think we all probably have from time to time, is that we make a decision that can change our destiny, more or less. I could have deleted that email I don't know what would have happened if I had deleted that email. I don't know if I'd have been here. But I choose. I chose to uh, respond to Father Meinrad, uh, and I said, basically, I said, thank you, Father Meinrad, for your very kind email. Then I asked a question, what is a monk? He replied, come and see. So in 1997, January of 1997, I made my very first visit. It was on the feast day of Saint pa- the conversion of St. Paul. And uh, my, my first reaction uh, was a little puzzlement. I was kind of confused why a bunch of grown men would choose to live together. At, at first, it struck me kind of odd. But, you know, I, I, that night and the next day, uh, gathering together several, t- several times to pray the Divine Office, to celebrate Mass, I was getting kind of hooked. I, I was thinking I could see why this life uh, could be attractive. Uh, so in January, I made that first visit. February, I made another vocation visit. March, April. Uh, and so around by spring, I was really knowing, sensing that God was calling me uh, to St. Benedict's Abbey to, uh, to apply to become a monk. Uh, so I, I, I filled out an application uh, was accepted, uh, had to go through the process of putting my house to, up to sale, um, selling my possessions, had a, a nice truck, a great motorcycle, and uh, a great dog. But, and, uh, and then also, you know, explaining to my, my dad, who was still alive at the time, uh, what I was doing. And what was his reaction? Uh, it was at first when I, that spring when I was telling him about it, uh, he was a little confused. Uh, as I said, he was very, a very good Christian man. And uh, um, 
little puzzle at time. So what I did before I moved up here, I he was going to come up here to visit uh, some people uh, in Kansas City, that is. So I said, Dad, tell you what, why don't I arrange for you to meet a couple of monks when you go up to Kansas City, just drive over to Atchison and uh, visit with some of the monks and then come back. And he did. So he came back and he said, you know what? I like those guys. And after that, he was very, very supportive. Uh, I'm now jumping ahead several years, but I was, uh, I was ordained in 2004. Yeah. Well, if we can go back, sure. if you don't mind, what um, when you first yeah. were entering the novitiate, now you've sold yeah. your home and your yeah. all your possessions and stuff yeah. like that, so you're first becoming a monk, and yeah. what did you envision monastic life being like for you as you're just barely taking those first steps? Uh, I would say, first of all, even though I, I was expecting it to be uh, difficult because at that time I was 34, 35, uh, it was difficult. I think there was a, a – I had different challenges uh, than perhaps someone in their early 20s. I had been used to living on my own, uh, to doing things my own way. So uh, the sacrifice of my own will at times is very difficult. Um, also giving up possessions, at, that was kind of a, a cross. What, what, what among those things, uh, the adaptations that you were making, would you say was the most striking in your own mind? I, I, I would have to say, uh, again, my own will it's difficult at times to be under obedience, which it was, I mean, I loved the idea when I was coming in, you know, visiting, but the actual putting the application at times, uh, you know, sometimes it's like, well, wait a minute. Uh, my automatic response might have been sometimes, uh, well, I don't want to do it that way. Or uh, so, I, again, I think it was a challenge of being a, maybe uh, a guy who was living on his own for over 10 years. Um, that would have probably been the number one difficult thing was uh, handing over my will to God and to, and over to basically over handing over my will to the community. So you've gone through the formation process, and you're you know, um, what were you asking the abbot to assign you to? What uh, role did you see yourself playing as you became a you know junior monk and solemnly professed monk? Going on from there, did you always want to be a priest? Yes, I when I was discerning. Uh, Back, even then through RCIA, I was discerning that, you know, I, I thought to myself, I had made a mistake in one sense as a Lutheran when I said to God, no, I don't want even to think, pray, or discern about what you're asking me to do. Uh, so I, I, going through our RCIA, I, I, told him, I prayed and I said, God, I made a mistake. This time I, I want to know what your will is. As I was praying, I knew God was calling me to do something. And it seemed as more prayed about it, yes, the priesthood. Uh, so I, at that time, Abbot Barnabas was the abbot. So my junior, around my junior time, I started talking to him about going to seminary. And I was taking classes here at Benedictine College to prepare for that, taking a, a lot of philosophy and the religious study classes that were required. So, and he agreed that to send me off to seminary to uh, St. Vincent, Archabbey, our, our uh, mother house. And I went there in 2000, my very first year, and was ordained in 2004. Very good. And so uh, you served a little while for a parish priest. Uh, how was that experience for you? I, I enjoyed it uh, greatly. I, I was very surprised about that. I, when I joined the monastery, 
my idea was I'll be ordained as a priest and, gosh, you know, thinking the way that's practical, I have a, two business degrees, I'll work in the business department or work for the Abbey in some way. Yet when I was in the seminary, uh, a lot of my classmates started saying to me, you know, at that time his brother, Brother Gabriel, we really kind of see you becoming um, as a parish priest, and that really kind of surprised me. So I took that those comments to my spiritual director. We prayed about it, and uh, here he is. He's a monk as well, and, and Father Justin said, Gabriel, I think they're right. I, that's what I'm discerning as well. So I, I took that back to Abbot Barnabas because one day I had a meeting with him during a, a break from studies, and I was up in his office, and he just says, well, what do you want to do when you're ordained? And I said one word, perish. And he jumped out of his seat and gave me a great big hug because he had spent some time in a parish, and he had really enjoyed that time. So uh, it's to surprise myself, it was a big surprise to me that God called me to be a parish priest uh, right out of uh, seminary, ordained in 2004, and uh, went to my first assignment was Church of the Ascension in Overland Park, Kansas, and gosh, it was, that was just a great experience. Great, uh, great people. Uh, Monsignor Tom Tank was my pastor, and he really formed me, I hopefully, pretty well. So you talked a little bit about obedience. So you you know you mentioned you enjoyed your parish work, but when the abbot called you back to be prior, mm-hmm. you know what was your reaction? Give you, give you some background. I was uh, in parish work from 2004 to about 2015, and around 2015, I was started having some uh, uh, medical problems, just some unexplained uh, pain. Uh, so I was asked to take a medical leave of absence so I could take care of that. So I did. And uh, long story short, uh, the the prior before me, Father Jeremy, he ended up becoming the pastor of the parish I was at, and then uh, that meant the community had to select another prior, and through consultation with the community, Abbot James uh, pulled me aside one day and said, uh, you know, the, the, the community would like you to be the new prior, so that's how I got to be a prior, and I've, I've really enjoyed it. It's a, it's a blessing to, to be back in the Abbey and to be able to serve uh, my monks and I hope I'm doing a fairly well job. What uh, what does a day typical day in the life of the prior look like? Uh, well, one thing I usually do is, you know, it's going to sound kind of uh, strange, but I, I always keep an eye on who shows up for, for prayer and who does not. Uh, so, not if someone doesn't show up for prayer, that could be they might be sick, or the color board slept, or something like that. But that's one of my jobs. Okay, are you okay? And if, if they just overslept, and you know, sometimes you got to address those issues like that. Uh, I also, you know, I live on the floor with the infirmed monks, some of the older guys, and if there's any pressing need uh, with their care, the inf- infirmarian will come and get me, and sometimes I'll just check on them and make sure they're doing okay. Uh, also, as a prior, I, I'm basically the day-to-day guy. I'm, I'm responsible for scheduling uh, who says mass, uh, the in, the in, the assignments inside the monastery, like who's going to be our lector, who's going to be our um, server, who's going to be a table reader, things like that. So it's, it's basically day-to-day work uh, is what I do. So there are many facets to monastic life, obviously, mm-hmm. but uh, what would you say 
um, at least in this point in your life, is uh, you know the thing you value the most about being a monk? Uh, community. Uh, I, I love being back. Uh, it's amazing how much it was a very easy transition, I think, for me coming back from being living in a parish uh, uh, environment for you know so many years, 11 years, and then coming back, I, I just felt back in love with the, that first experience that I had when I about earlier, the idea about uh, all these monks living together. I could really see why people were attracted to that life. So l- the living together, the eating together, uh, having recreation together, um, that's what I really like. Uh, I, I, I really do love my, my brothers in a, a very, I hope, very Christ-like way. I hope they see that love for me. So if someone is uh, discerning, you know, what uh, God's will is for them, what mm-hmm. advice do you offer those uh, people? Yeah. One thing I, I use is interior peace. Um, I recall one time I was one of the—there was a monk here uh, that was discerning whether he should take solemn vows. And we were, you know, we are still good friends. But And I was asking—I kept on asking him about, well, how do you have a sense of peace about staying? Uh, and I guess he was pretty much attracted maybe to the idea of getting married. So I said, and so well, where do you feel that sense of peace when I, when I was talking about that peace of Christ? Uh, so I helped him through my questions that staying here was not what God was, had in mind for him, that that would not have been the right thing for him to do, that really that the vocation of marriage is what he did end up uh, doing. So I, I, I use that sometimes in an example when I'm talking with people about, uh, about the vocation, uh, is when you're praying, do you have a sense of peace about making a decision to become a religious? Or when you're thinking about maybe proposing to, to uh, a young lady uh, and asking her to be your wife, do you have a great sense of peace about that? And again, that comes through prayer, that comes through the sacraments. Um, but that's how I make decisions. That's how I encourage young men to make decisions. Very good. Well, I think we're about out of time for this particular episode of MonkCast, uh, but would you mind closing us out with a quick prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, loving God, we praise you with this opportunity to speak about the, the great work that you do in our lives. We ask that you continue to uh, call young men to the priesthood and religious life, especially to St. Benedict's Abbey. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Well, thank you very much, Father Gabriel, for joining us. And if you want to learn more about the monks or about the Abbey here, visit our website, kansasmonks.org. And don't forget to subscribe to MonkCast on iTunes. Ave Maria, gratia plena.